Welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast. It is amazing to me that we have reached the fourth and final episode of this series in the book of Ruth, how quickly this one has gone. And uh, and indeed, it's the final episode in this ministry year. And what a year it's been um, where God has directed us to use this podcast to try to communicate and minister to women the beauty of God's Word in a year that's been like none other. And we just thank God for what He has done through this podcast. I I, I am sad to see this season come to a close, but I am so excited for today and to finish our study of the book of Ruth in this uh, beautiful chapter, a chapter at first glance that maybe uh, not all of it makes sense, so we're excited to talk through some of these mm-hmm. details, uh, but uh, a chapter where we're going to see two wonderful layers of Ruth's story as well as our story mm-hmm. and, and the, the thread of Christ's faithfulness through that. Joining me today to talk through Ruth chapter four is my friend and fellow Bible teacher, Angie Pankratz. Welcome, Angie. Thank you. It's so good to be back again. And I have really enjoyed this book as well. It's kind of helped me uh, warm up a little bit to some of the characters. And, you know, I always love a good ending, and there is a great ending here. So that's something we can all look forward to. There absolutely is. I, I'd like to start by by mentioning you, you talk about warming up to some of these characters. Mm-hmm. I think... Now, after spending so many weeks in this book, I would say the thing that has touched me the most is the character of Naomi. Mm -hmm. And while initially I felt like I identified most with Ruth, watching Naomi's progression Mm -hmm. in this book, I think, has been the most powerful thing for me to see Naomi go from chapter one, where she self-describes herself as being bitter and feeling that God had turned away from her, that God had brought calamity on her, Mm -hmm. um, and and the way that she was so raw in her Mm -hmm. grief and her pain. And then watching- And maybe a little crabby. Can we say that? Maybe she was a little bit of a crabby (laughs) mother-in-law. We we don't have a lot of positive or warm fuzzies from her right in the beginning, but she did. She changed. It seemed like there was a transformation going on in the midst of the story. She did. And I think we're going to see the the full transformation mm. of that in this chapter. So that's part of what I'm really excited to get right. to today. It reminds us that God is patient with us and that, you know, we may have those seasons where we're a little harsh or have some tough things that we're walking through, but that God is gracious. Absolutely. Or the times where it feels like maybe God has let us just mm. fall prey to the grief in mm-hmm. the world or the the things that break our heart, the, the suffering that's so evident around us, mm-hmm. but that that's not the end of the story. Absolutely. That, that he is, even when we can't see it, he's working in those little coincidences that we mm-hmm. kept seeing in, in this story, that the lo and behold, or the, and it just so happened, yep. these times when we see that. that God was at work all along, and he certainly is here. Um, so let's let's look at chapter four. Now, if you listening have not yet read chapter four, I'd encourage you to pause the audio and, and do that so mm. that you can stay on the, the same page with us. But uh, we're going to talk through the chapter. And chapter four begins with one of those coincidences. Behold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those coincidences that we know are not coincidences, but God is really orchestrating those details as... We have Boaz just sitting and waiting, and along comes the kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. 
Now, yeah, when, and this this is flowing right from chapter three when we had heard the night before Naomi was saying Boaz won't rest until he settles this mm-hmm. matter. In chapter three, Ruth had basically asked Boaz to marry her to to serve as the man who would step in and redeem uh, not just the land but her and Naomi and provide for them, care for them, and Boaz in his full integrity says, you know, I'm going to do it God's way. What a concept, right? (laughs) You know, God does have guidelines for marriage. And so I just really want to respect the fact that Boaz wants to follow God's rules on this. And Mm -hmm. it would have been easy for him to just ignore that and to maybe sneak off and take care of this without following through on God's design. But he wanted to be respectable and admirable and full of integrity. And so he goes and tries to find this kinsman redeemer, and he doesn't have to search too far. It looks like God provides. Yeah, absolutely. And I think integrity is probably the word that comes to Mm -hmm. mind most in this first part of the chapter Mm -hmm. for how Boaz is going about doing this. So they're meeting at the gate, and uh, and we see all throughout the Old Testament that the seems like a funny place to go have a meeting, mm-hmm. but uh, but the gates of the city did function as kind of the gathering places yeah. where people would convene and where where even legal business was done. Um, so they're meeting at this gate, and Boaz takes ten elders of the town, as verse two says, and uh, and you know whether or not the number 10 was meant to be significant. If anything, it just assures that he didn't just grab his best friend. Right. You know, or or one or two people, you know, right. hey, come and be part of this conversation. He's got 10 people. So whatever happens here is going to be witnessed by a group of people. There's, there's full integrity here. He's just laying it out in the open. He's very honest. And you know what else I love? I love that really this person is almost like a competitor for him in seeking out this transaction. And yet he says to um, this man, who we don't even know his name, he says, come over here, my friend, and sit down. Again, just something else that's very kind of Boaz to say. Mm -hmm. That he calls him his friend. Yeah, Yeah. so sweet. It is very respectful. And that's a good point that you bring out. This this other redeemer is never named. Names have been very significant in Mm -hmm. the book of Ruth. Many of the the names of the characters having meanings that that line up with either their character or something significant about them. And so the fact that this man isn't named is equally significant, (laughs) um, that that we are kind of given this clue that he's not really going to ultimately be a key character mm-hmm. in the story. Um, in fact, the Hebrew um, refers to him as kind of Mr. So-and-so would be the equivalent translation if we had it in our English. I don't know why the English Bible didn't translate it directly. <laughs> that I love that Mr. So-and-so <laughs> ah, <laughs> showed hilarious. up. Um, but, but this Mr. So-and-so Redeemer does actually have essentially the first right of refusal. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about this as a strange... Um, Hebrew custom that was laid out in in some of the earlier books of the law for how land was supposed to pass down in the family line. And so this Mr. So-and-so Redeemer is a a more direct family uh, relative of Elimelech's He gets first dibs, right? Yeah, he gets gets first (laughs) dibs here. And it's a package deal. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not just like, you know, would you like this land... And then you're done. I mean, this is a package deal. There is a lot involved with this, right? So he has to think about this. Well, he actually first agrees to it, right? Yeah, when he Boaz says, first presents, are you interested in the land? She's like, yeah, I'm probably interested in the land. That yeah. sounds good. I'll, I'll And then our hearts break. 
because we feel so bad. We're like, oh, no, yeah, Boaz <laughs> is not going to be available to uh, marry Ruth. Yeah, but then when Boaz does point this out that with the land comes the responsibility. And and I don't, I think it would be a bad reading to make it sound like Naomi and Ruth are a burden mm-hmm. associated with this, but they are a responsibility. We, we keep on talking in this series how they really had no way to provide for themselves in this particular culture. And the, the Hebrew customs of relatives that would take widows in was really meant for their good, for mm-hmm. their protection. Mm-hmm. And so when uh, when the, the Redeemer not only took the land, but also the widows that were associated with that land, it was a way of saying, I will care for you into your old age. I'll feed you, I'll clothe you, house you, protect you, mm-hmm. um, and, and let your life continue on um, the fact that your husband died is a tragic thing. And, and so I will step into that role and, and care for you and not leave you alone. It's very sweet. But I have to admit, when I first was reading this, it almost seemed like they were purchasing people, like Mm. women were property. And I have come to realize that this idea of the Redeemer, it's more of, like you say, a rescue plan. It's Mm -hmm. a very sweet thing to provide for those who don't have the means. And I was thinking about this, and I know I have experience with adoption, and I know many others do too. You would never say, like, those people purchased that kid. Right. No, it's that they adopted them, and they rescued them, and it is a blessing on both ends. And so I think that's how we kind of have to look at this scenario of this kinsman redeem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some legal, not equivalents mm-hmm. in our day and age, but I like that you bring out adoption, that I, that idea that that you may acquire a child. Exactly. And there's a purchase family. involved usually with this money. Yeah, often rather high costs involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, to acquire a child that, that some of the translations mm-hmm. do trade the word purchase for acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have an exact word to convey what's behind this, but yeah, I th- redemption usually involves a high cost. It does involve a high cost, mm-hmm. and and you're putting yourself on the line to say, not only am I taking on the costs and the responsibilities for this now, but into the future, absolutely as well. And that high cost of redemption, I think, as I said before, this story has two beautiful parallel lines going through it. There's the the human story mm-hmm. that we see here with Ruth and and Boaz, but then there's a higher level kind of an overtone mm-hmm. to this of Christ as our redeemer and the high cost that it was for him to redeem us cuz we like Ruth and Naomi reach a point of realizing we're desperate without God. Absolutely. And, and it was God who sent his son to be our redeemer to to see us in our need mm-hmm. for protection, for provision. And, uh, and and Christ ultimately is our redeemer. And that's not something that we should take lightly. Absolutely. Or, you know, I have only known the word redeemer to refer to God or to Jesus Christ. But it's interesting that this is a term that was used back then, and it had a different meaning, but it parallels so much to what Christ has done to us. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's, again, just one of those parallels that comes over from the Old Testament that makes people really familiar with what Christ was doing on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and looking back at chapter four here, I think it seems in one sense funny that this little drama story happens here, that there is another redeemer out there. I was asking myself as I was reading through this, like, what's the 
point of this? It doesn't end up amounting to anything. Mm-hmm. Boaz still gets to be the redeemer. Why was this such an important part of the story? And I, I think what this unnamed redeemer um, storyline brings out for us is that high cost of redemption when we yeah. realize that that when he's kind of given the opportunity to do this, and he says, "No, I, you know, I." I can't. And and the nice thing is he's not saying I won't or right. I refuse to do that because I don't like Ruth or I don't like mm-hmm. Naomi. He he doesn't say anything like that. He's not a bad guy. Even though I did call him a coward. I may have <laughs> called him a coward in the beginning. <laughs> but you realize he's doing a lot. I mean, he has to not only take on Naomi's land, but take the responsibility to provide for Naomi. Um, Mary Ruth is also part of this and to provide for her. Mm-hmm. And then since she is still in childbearing age, provide for any of her future children, mm-hmm. and then continue to be responsible for the estate and the family, mm-hmm. which is huge. So I think at first he's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can take on that land. But who knows what else was going on in his life that it was just too much. Yeah. But fortunately, we have a redeemer who counted the cost and can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, the happy ending kind of moves forward here as this other Mr. So-and-so redeemer is taken out of the picture. Now, the, the, the legal details here, untying sandals and all of that, commentaries love to spill pages over saying, mm-hmm. basically, we don't know what these customs are. Yeah. <laughs> they, I read one that said kind of interesting that that meant that Boaz would be filling in the shoes of the kinsman redeemer. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I like that. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it kind of meant like, you know, you're kind of fitting into that role and taking that on. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Yeah, I read things about that. I read things about the taking off your sandal and giving it to someone else saying, basically, I have no rights to walk on that land now okay. that I'm not there. But uh, but but what they all kind of come down to is that we know this was an ancient Hebrew custom, we don't have all of the details associated with it. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on that. But Ruth, in verse 7, it does tell us that this was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So we know at least that things are settled, things are finalized. It's official. That's so cool. (laughs) Boaz is the official redeemer. And what I love is the story moves into this next part where these 10 witnesses that Boaz has had convene with him in the beginning of the morning now get to serve as the witnesses witnesses basically at Boaz and Ruth's wedding, that Boaz is saying, okay, I'm going to acquire Ruth as my wife. And uh, and what a joyful thing that, that that morning went that direction. But here's what really touches me. Like, how many times have we looked in this story to see how Ruth is always referred to as Ruth the Moabite? Mm-hmm. She can't drop that name. No. <laughs> No. It's just constantly in our face that Ruth is not one of them. She She's is not the outsider for sure. She is this foreign woman. And yet now as as Ruth becomes Boaz's wife, look at what the, the witnesses say. They're, they're reaching out to bless her in verse 11 saying, May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. Wow. I mean, Rachel and Leah were the mother of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so not only has Ruth gone from being this destitute foreign widow, yeah, she's now being praised and blessed as the mother of Israel. That's pretty incredible for an outsider, for them to give her that blessing is something, you know, it just shows that maybe their hearts were transformed as well. Well, and I, I love that I think it points us to 
the power of God, mm. that we can be in those places where mm-hmm. we feel like I have, it's hard mm-hmm. to see hope mm-hmm. in this situation. It's hard to imagine, you know, the, think of how it must have felt for Ruth when her father-in-law dies, her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies. Mm-hmm. She's left without any logical hope in the world. And yet she has this faith in God that mm-hmm. the God of Israel will provide for her. And he rewards that far beyond mm-hmm. what she could mm-hmm. have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And and it's such an encouragement to us mm-hmm. when we're in those places of feeling like, God, I can't even see where hope can be found. Mm-hmm. Don't you think there's people who feel like they're outside of God's plan or they are distant from the Lord, and then if they would ever come back, come back to the Lord, that they would still feel like they were second rate. You know, I'm just not quite there because of my past or decisions I made. I'm just, I'm always going to be underneath, you know, mm. the really strong Christians or the elders in the church. And I just think we have to remember that that's, that is not truth. That, that is a foreign concept for God. He is not looking for mm-hmm. us to earn our status right. in, in those ways, but he's looking for our faith, like Ruth's faith, and I will follow Naomi's God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, and then she becomes elevated to a, a position she would have never imagined, you know, a couple chapters earlier. So. Yeah, and so let's look at this, the end of this story. So in verses 13 through uh, 17, we see this kind of happy ending of this baby that is born. Now, um, the the first half of the chapter comes right after the, the morning after chapter three, but now, obviously, this is looking farther down the road, at least mm-hmm. nine months later, if not, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe a year later or so, when Boaz and Ruth are married, and they have a baby son. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, it's not Ruth sitting here holding this baby, it's Naomi. Mm-hmm. And the, the women that are talking to her are praising her and or pra- praising God for her mm-hmm. um, as Naomi's holding this little baby. And doesn't it make you wonder why? Why do we see Naomi here? That's pretty Ruth? incredible when you consider the hope that maybe Naomi had finally felt. And because it was a big deal in that culture and that tradition to just feel like you need to have that hope of inherit, I mean, your heirs and to come. And so for her to be holding this baby and to know that um, then the people come around her and say that her daughter-in-law, her daughter-in-law from Moab, by the way, is better than a perfect quiver full of sons, Mm. better than seven sons. And in that culture, that's amazing that they would even make that analogy. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought that probably a couple chapters earlier. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I just, I think if it had been Ruth at the end of the story, we may have wondered whatever happened to Naomi. Mm-hmm. Did Ruth and Boaz just have their happy ending and, mm-hmm. and they have a family now and they went off on their own, but you know, did they forget about Naomi? But we have full confirmation that Naomi's story, um, that she was very much embedded in this, this new family. But and I wanna, this just wasn't any baby, right? No, and we'll get to that in a second, but there's something I want to bring out first, because mm-hmm. like I said, this was one of my favorite arcs of the story was seeing Naomi's healing. Like you remember mm-hmm. in chapter one, how she says that God had turned against her and brought her back empty. But now the women in verse 14 are saying, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without 
a guardian redeemer. And there's not many references to the Lord in this book, but there's one at the beginning. And then there's this one at the end where the Lord allowed that to happen. Well, and God hadn't left her, Mm -hmm. even though she'd felt that he had. Mm -hmm. He hadn't. And he had been so faithful to her. And I just find that absolutely beautiful. So then, yes, as you're pointing out, this baby isn't just any ordinary baby. Who is this baby, Angie? (laughs) This is Obed. (laughs) (laughs) And Obed is the father of Jesse, who's also the father of David. And so this baby is the grandfather of the greatest king of Israel. So that's pretty amazing that Ruth the Moabite is the great grandmother to the greatest king of Israel and eventually is in the lineage of Christ. Yeah. Which again, she would have never been on the top 10 most likely to be in that list, but... No, a but poor God. destitute widow from a foreign land, especially a foreign land that is very much at odds mm-hmm. with the people of Israel, is eventually made the great-grandmother of the greatest king of Israel and the ultimate greatest God and king mm-hmm. um, in, in the line of Jesus. It is a truly amazing thing. And again, just what an astounding thing it is for God that that uh, he is not limited in the ways that we think about people in human terms, but that he can take and use anyone for his purposes in his kingdom. God is good about taking devastation, death, just our sorrows, and to take them and to bring life and joy and redemption to anything. And so we see that in the story, and that is what he does for us. Yeah, what a comfort that is. In a story that started off full of grief, with loss, with these widows who have lost their husbands, their children, who have lost their homes, their possessions that have nothing to cling to, that the end of the story is God has returned all of that to them in such beautiful ways. And um, it's just, it's, it's, such a beautiful story of hope for us. Absolutely. And I was thinking, you know, this really isn't a story to give us hope to find the man of our dreams or to finally get pregnant if we've been dealing with infertility or to reconcile maybe with a difficult (laughs) mother-in-law. It's more about the hope of our spiritual redemption. Mm. And we get to experience some of that here on earth, but we also have a wedding day awaiting us when Christ returns and we get to experience all of the blessings of being his children if we have made that decision in our lives well said and i think that is the the message that we should cling to from chapter four is that christ is ultimately our redeemer that he is that one who Mm -hmm. steps in to give us the hope in the uh the midst of the the grief and the devastation that we live through in this earthly life but that he is our rescuer Mm. that when we place our faith in him we can rest. Remember, chapter three was all about Naomi wanting to find rest. Mm. And we can rest secure in salvation in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And that when he does that, he makes us part of God's family. You know, like Naomi and Ruth here, they were knitted into a permanent family, um, indeed the family line of God. And and that's what we have waiting for us, is to be a permanent part of God's family. And I just am so touched and blessed by that. Mm-hmm. It's greater than they could have ever imagined. The ending of the story just was not well, what they ever thought would happen when they came back to Bethlehem. They were just looking for food. And look at all that happened and the blessings that God had for them. 
I just, I love that. Mm -hmm. I I hope that you listening have enjoyed walking through this book as much as Angie and I have. Uh, And and Heather, we want to thank her Mm -hmm. too for her involvement in this podcast. I'd love to also thank Ian and Josiah on tech who have helped um, with hours and hours of recording each of these and and Dorothy and TJ who each week help to um, upload and manage the web content. This podcast is far more people working behind the scenes than many people realize. I'm just grateful for the the support of wonderful departments in this church to make this possible. Um, We have reached the end of this series, and and I can't think of a better way to close out than with a word of prayer. So let's just commit this to the Lord right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and for especially the story in your word. We thank you for what we see of you in this story about how you are a God who can take the broken and the desperate and the hopeless and heal that and, and bring people back into security and rest in you, in your family. I just ask right now, Lord, that if there's someone listening that is aching for that and not sure how to find it, that, uh, that our church can be a place where that woman can find you and find the security and the rest that you offer in your family. Lord, we thank you for what you've done through this podcast, and we are grateful for your redeeming work in our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.